Imagine a father, a career soldier of an ancient army, not a clerk or a desk jockey, but a leader of men in battle in the field. Imagine him finding his young son dressed in the father's helmet, holding his father's sword and shield, and looking at his father with a question, am I doing this right? Is this how you're supposed to hold this? Imagine what the loving father would then say to his son. Now listen, son. Here's how to hold the shield. Here's how to use it to block the attacks of those trying to kill you and protect yourself and others. Be ready for attacks like this. Guard yourself like this. If this piece comes loose, fix it like this. But don't ever let go of your shield. Use it so much that it feels like a part of you, and you can do with it whatever is necessary. Now listen. Here's how to hold your sword. Feel the balance. Feel the sharp edge. That can cut whatever it touches, even you. Here's how to use it to attack those trying to kill you and finish them off. Sometimes you may have to pull it back and wait for the right moment. Sometimes you may need to keep it out in front of you. But don't ever let go of your sword. Use it so much that it feels like a part of you and you can do with it whatever is necessary. We have a sword and we have a shield from our Father. Let's apply these same words to what we've been given. Now listen. Here's how to hold your faith. Here's how to use it to block the attacks of those trying to kill you and protect yourself and others. Be ready for attacks like this. Guard yourself like this. If this belief comes loose, here's how to fix it. But don't ever let go of your faith. Use it so much that it feels like a part of you and you can do with it whatever is necessary. Now listen, here's how to hold the word of God. Feel the balance. Feel the sharp edge. That can cut whatever it touches, even you. Here's how to use it to attack those trying to kill you and finish them off. Sometimes you may have to pull the word back and wait for the right moment. Sometimes you may need to keep the word out in front of you. But don't ever let go of the word of God. Use it so much that it feels like a part of you. And you can do with it whatever is necessary. Our shield of faith and sword of the spirit are just as important for our spiritual survival as the physical shield and sword were for the warriors of old. 
You might get by for a bit without one or the other, but not for long. You need them both. We need to hold on to both. We need to hold out in the face of persistent opposition. And we need to hold fast to what we believe and hope for so that we're not defeated by discouragement. Hold on, hold out, hold fast. These words are used many times in Scripture to admonish us, just as this hypothetical father admonished his son. But these aren't hypothetical items. Our shield and sword are just as real as the enemy who wants to destroy us. In Romans 6, verses 12 through 14, and again in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 7, the phrase weapons of righteousness is used. So now that we know that we have these weapons, let's not just hold them. Let's use them. Use what you have. Use the space in your home. Use the space in your schedule. Use the space in your mind. The space on the screen or on the paper. Use the energy of the weekend. Use the energy of the morning. Use the energy of those around you. Make something. Say something. Invite someone. Ask something. Answer someone. Introduce someone. Offer something. Our primary mission is not to survive or indulge. Our primary mission is not to be successful at our jobs or prosperous in our investments. Our primary mission is not to be liked or even to be ignored. Our mission is to be spent, to be on display, to shine like a city on a hill, to light up the darkness to spread throughout the whole batch of dough, to wake up the taste buds with flavor. Recently, I listened to First and Second Peter read aloud on my phone's Bible app, and I was struck by the number of imperative instructional statements. Do this. Make sure you remember this that I heard from both letters. If we are to hold our shield and sword and learn how to use them, this is a good place to get some reminders about how to do that in evil times. It's a good place to find instructions about how to hold the shield and how to use the sword, the word of our God, so that we may stand firm, having done all to stand and shine and have flavor. So walk with me through the instructions found in Peter's letters to the early church. Don't let go of your shield and sword. At the end of these um, 39 verses, for you note takers, I will group them into several main themes. And I would ask that you let the Holy Spirit help you focus on some of them. 
most likely some of them will stand out to you more than others. You know, we read the whole Bible, but I don't think God expects us to remember all of it at once. Sometimes parts of it apply more than others. Sometimes we need to focus more on this than on this. So let the Holy Spirit guide you as we go through this on what is important for you to focus on. This is sort of the um, spiritual version of the Rocky Balboa training montage. Anyone ever seen a Rocky movie? Okay. You guys know the rest. Sing along. No, I'm kidding. Don't, don't, don't sing along. So, following along with me, we're in 1 Peter, right off the bat, chapter 1, verse 6. Rejoice in this with the understood you. This is a command. Do this. Rejoice. Because it's a choice to rejoice. Verse 13. Therefore, get your minds ready for action. Again, that's something we're supposed to do. We don't just plug in and go inert. Verse 22. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. That's a mouthful. If you've ever tried to love someone, you know how hard that can be. And that's just the first chapter of the first book. 1 Peter chapter 2, first verse. Rid yourself of all wickedness, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. That's an action. That's something active. Which means we must be able to do it. Rid yourself. Anyone ever cleaned out a garage, basement, attic? <laughs> How about just the fridge? How about just your purse? <laughs> Sometimes we accumulate a lot of stuff, don't we? It's the same spiritually. Some stuff needs to get cleaned out. Get rid of it. Chapter 2 still, verse 11. I urge you to abstain from fleshly desires that war against you. <clears throat> Abstain means you do not participate. You are out, unavailable. Verse 12, conduct yourselves honorably. There's a lot in that. It depends on the culture that you're in. It depends on exactly who you're with. It depends on the situation a little bit. Conduct yourselves honorably. You've got to be aware. You've got to be paying attention to do that. You can't be lost in your head. Verse 13. <laughs> Submit to every human institution because of the Lord. Really? The doctor? The mechanic? Politics? The 
traffic laws. Submit to every human institution because of the Lord. That's hard to swallow. It then goes on to list different kinds of authorities. The emperor as the supreme one, governors, etc. And it doesn't give us a chance to say, but, 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 because it goes right into verse 17 that says, honor everyone. Everyone? Everyone. Anyone feeling convicted about some YouTube videos, maybe? There's a ton of them out there that make fun and show contempt. We need to be careful. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. And yes, honor the emperor. We get spoiled in this country with the ability to vote out our emperor, our political leader, every four years if we want to. These people didn't have that option. The emperor was there for life. Most of them weren't Christian. A lot of the emperors hated Christians, persecuted them mercilessly, many ugly ways. And the God who knew that told these people and us to honor this emperor. It must be important. Chapter 3, <laughs> if you thought that was fun. Wives, in the same way, submit to your own husbands with all the problems that they have. Yay. That's not easy to do. And in verse 7, husbands, in the same way, live with your wives with understanding, showing them honor. Huh. Sometimes that's hard. God's not pulling any punches here. But in a training montage, you don't. You've got to train hard. You watch the Rocky movies, and it makes you sore watching the stuff that Sylvester Stallone puts his body through. That's on purpose. Professional athletes go through really hard training. Professional musicians, the same. People who are going to be really good at something have to work hard at it. And what they're doing, athletes, musicians, what have you, isn't nearly as important as what God has us doing. I mean, this is eternal life and death that we have been asked to join in the process of spreading. We've got to train hard because it's going to be hard. I think we knew that already. Still in chapter 3, verse 8. Now, finally. <laughs> I'm sorry. Verse 8 of, of the third chapter, and he says, finally. All of you should be like-minded and sympathetic. Love believers. Be compassionate and humble. I think we would all agree with that, but of course it's harder to do in the moment, isn't it? 
Verse 14, do not fear what they fear or be disturbed. There's a lot of fear out there. You watch the news, that's about all that it is. You watch ads, and they use that technique a lot. If it's not the fear of missing out on something everyone else is getting, it's the fear that you won't have enough, or it's the fear that you won't be around, or it's the fear that, well, fill in the blank. Do not, do not fear what they fear. Which means we shouldn't be expressing that we fear what other people fear, should we? Verse 15, connected to verse 14. Do not fear what they fear or be disturbed, but set apart the Messiah as Lord in your hearts. Not circumstances, not our own abilities, not who's in charge, not the economy, not the news, not the job. The Messiah as Lord. That's the key. Always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you, why the heck do you have any hope? Oh, let me tell you. It's not because we're blind to what's going on around us. It's because we see more than what is going on around us. Verse 16. Do this with gentleness and respect. Remembering that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. These people around us who don't get it, probably some of whom even persecute Christians, they don't know, they don't understand. They've been taken captive by the enemy to do his will, and they're confused, like a lot of us were. That should secure our compassion for them, however painful our experiences might be. And that's just chapter 3. Chapter 4 leads right into, Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same resolve. Verse 7, be clear-headed and disciplined for prayer. Disciplined for prayer. Again, this is work. This is a major, consistent, relentless effort that's being asked of us here. Don't treat it lightly. Don't blow it off. Be clear-headed and disciplined for prayer. Verse 8, above all, keep your love for one another at full strength. Verse 9, be hospitable to one another without complaining. <laughs> oh, we need work, don't we? Thankfully, God is patient with us, and God works in us even when we don't understand how in the world he's going to do it. He makes us able to be like him. It's not on us. It's on us to surrender, but it's on him to do the changing. Verse 12, dear friends, this just gets better. When the fiery ordeal arises among you to test you, don't be surprised. 
we can't respond like the world. We will lose our credibility if we do. We have to respond differently. That'll get people's attention. Maybe not the first time. Maybe not the first voice, but it will. People notice and go, I know this person is going through this, this, and this, and they came to me with a happy smile today. What the heck is wrong with them? There's something different about those people. Verse 13, instead of being surprised, as you share in the sufferings of the Messiah, rejoice so that you may also rejoice with great joy at the revelation of his glory. See, it's not over. Our suffering's not the end of anything. We're still in the story, and the story's not done, and that's what we have hope in. Again, we're not blind to our suffering, but we don't look just at the suffering. We see more than that. We can see where this is headed. We can see the God who's writing this story. Verse 19. So those who suffer according to God's will, according to God's will. This is not easy to swallow. Those who suffer according to God's will should, in doing good, entrust themselves to a faithful creator. Again, not the end of the story. Suffering is so temporary compared to eternity. If you've had kids, you know that there are a few years in there that just seem to go on forever, don't they? You think you're never going to be done with diapers. You think you're always going to be lugging that diaper bag around and it's never going to have the right thing in it. You're like, my kid is never going to walk through the doorway. He's always going to stop right in the middle. They're never going to feed themselves. They're never going to learn to count. They're not going to be able to tie their shoes. It's always going to be like it is now. And that happens in other things, too. We get to feeling like it's always going to be this way. And when you look down the barrel of that gun, there's no hope. But it's not true. It doesn't last. They do grow up. They do walk through the doorway most of the time. It doesn't last. And it's hard to hang on to that in the moment. But it's just a moment. And God's in those moments, every last one of them. Don't think he's not. Even if it's his will that we should suffer, he is there in those moments. In chapter 5, there's a shift from the general population of the church to the leadership for a little while. Verse 2, shepherd God's flock among you. That's an active thing. 
you don't shepherd something by just sitting back and watching it. If you've ever tried <laughs> to shepherd an animal of any kind or a group of animals, you know it takes everything you have to think ahead of them, about three or four steps. Verse 3, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. It's an interesting place to be in church leadership because you're leading, but you're also membering at the same time. Verse 5, likewise, you younger men, be subject to the elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility. Verse 6, right with it. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Verse 7, casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. Sweet relief. And then Peter pokes us in verse 8. Be sober. Be on the alert. Don't get too relaxed. Because there's an enemy out there. Your adversary prowls around. Verse 9, resist him, firm in the faith. It's an active thing. It takes work. Then verse 12, testifying that this is the true grace of God. Take your stand in it. Have you ever taken a stand? If you've ever been in a debate, especially with, oh, I don't know, family members, if you take a stand, that's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, you're marshalling all of your own defenses and your own arguments, and they're doing the same thing, and it's all out for a little while. It's the same on a battlefield. If you decide to take your stand somewhere, you're fighting to the death. You better know how to use the shield and the sword. It's the same here, spiritually. Take your stand in the grace of God. Don't lead it. Stay there and fight to the death there. That's where we're supposed to be. And then, <laughs> a lighter note, verse 14, greet one another with a kiss of love. Make sure you shave the night before. All right, 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 5. Make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, with knowledge, self-control, endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. Every effort. And then verse 10. Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. And then 2 Peter 3, verse 3. Be aware, scoffers will come. Verse 8, don't let this one thing escape you. Verse 14, here it is again. While you wait for these things, make every effort to be found in peace without spot or blemish before him. This feels like a training montage, doesn't it? 
Anybody spiritually out of breath already? Verse 15, regard the patience of our Lord as an opportunity. Verse 17, therefore, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so you are not led away. Verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Growing is not passive. Growing is active. Somewhere in March every year around here, there's about two weeks where it's the dead of winter, cold, brown, and gray. And within about a week to two weeks, suddenly things are green. I call it the roar of green. It's slow, but it roars. And that growth is astounding. If any of you have ever tried to keep up with mowing your lawn, you know that there are seasons where you lose, right? Because there's so much work being done out there in those green things. There's a certain kind of bamboo that during the growing season can grow a foot a day. That is active. Grow. You, imperative, understood. You grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's an active thing. All right, get some water. Let's see. What do we find after this training montage? All these 39 verses. Well, I found about six themes repeated in different ways that kind of bark at us through these letters. Hey, poke, do this, be this. Inert is not an option. Do not be merely hearers of the word. Use what you have. The first theme, rejoice. Rejoice in trials, grow in grace and knowledge. This has to be done deliberately. Because our natural joy can get sucked away and depleted by life. Can I get an amen? But we can still choose to rejoice in the God and truth that go beyond the moment and beyond this world. We must keep growing, changing, learning. Nothing wrong with old favorites, but we need new input on a regular basis or we get stagnant and start to stink. Make some new friends. Number two, love one another, compassion, hospitality, greeting with holiness and affection. It matters that we treat each other well. We should be known for this. And Peter's not the only disciple to admonish us to greet one another with affection or show hospitality or love one another or shepherd the flock carefully. Third theme, get ready. Arm yourself. Be clear-headed. Be disciplined. Don't be surprised. Be sober. Be alert. Take your stand. Don't let this escape you. Be on your guard. Could it be any clearer? Dangerous and bad things will happen to all of us. But more of them and worse things will happen if we're not paying attention. Being ready is not enough to avoid every trap and trial, but it will help to avoid some of them. And that can make a big difference, both in this life and the life to come. John Wayne is credited with the quote, Life's hard. It's harder when you're stupid. 
We've all seen this happen. We've all seen that person who's on their phone and all the rest of us have pulled over to the one lane that's open and they're flying by and they get to the cones at the end. Oh, oh okay, now I've got to get in. They don't earn our respect for that, do they? <laughs> we have to remember that we have an active enemy. We have to remember that we can't make it alone. And we have to remember that we aren't on vacation. This isn't Christian camp, no matter how much we think we might have earned a vacation. We're still on the battlefield, as long as we're in this life. Fourth theme, stay pure, get rid of the evil behavior, resist the devil, make every effort. We are called to actively, tenaciously, consistently, fight against the sin in our world and in our flesh. We will not be able to do so perfectly, but every effort counts. C.S. Lewis said that even attempted virtue brings clarity. Fifth theme, submit to authority. Show honor, show respect, have humility, be subject. As hard as we are to resist the influence of our enemy in this world, as much as we are encouraged to be generous to one another, we are also admonished to show respect to worldly authority, regardless of their character, and to obey them for the sake of their office. Now, our respect for authority will definitely set us apart, both our obedience and our humility. And I'll tell you from personal experience, most authorities find people like us who are obedient and respectful a breath of fresh air. You will probably get more favor with authority by showing them respect than by being like everyone else and just muddling through with mutterings. <laughs> Last theme, do not fear. Trust God. Cast your cares. We must remember the truth and maintain our trust in what is not seen, no matter what we do see. The shield will hold, no matter how many dents it takes. The sword will cut, no matter how impressive the enemy looks or sounds. Our God will work all things for our good, no matter how much it may hurt for a little while. The battle belongs to the Lord. It is his armor we wear, his very words we use to strike our enemy. And our God is at work all around us and in ways we cannot yet see. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, you probably know it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. So let us look to God in all things. Let us hold on to our shield of faith and our sword of the word of God. Let us take to heart all of God's directions given in his word by his disciples. And perhaps our testimony will be able to help others next to us in the battle or those we find lost on the battlefield who are struggling. Hey, 
here's how to hold that shield and sword. It works like this. 